And now, weighing in out of the blue corner, Josh the Pong Thompson. 100%. And on the other mic, he weighs in from the red corner, Big John McCarthy. Well, hello to everyone that's new to the Weighing In Podcast and all of our veteran listeners, the people that come all the time. We are always here for you, and we want to talk about fights, and we've got quite a few fights to talk about. There was a lot going on. There's a lot going on in the the world of MMA, the news, everything, people retiring, people coming on. Josh, it never ends. The wheel keeps turning. It's crazy. But... I don't I just, know what we're going to start with first. <laughs> I wish I could get m- the things in my head to keep turning because they're slowing down, John. <laughs> they're really <laughs> slowing down. Dude, uh, you know, it's, it, that's like putting sand in gears, baby. Oh, man. You know what, crunching. <laughs> It is 5 a.m., but as of, you know, yesterday, it would have been 4 a.m. We're getting a little extra hour of sleep that's right. today, which was Daylight amazing. Daylight savings time. It was amazing. I thought we voted to get rid of this daylight. I hate it. Stuff. I can't stand really? it. Now it's going to be dark at freaking five o'clock. Yeah, you know. I yeah, I know. But you know what, though? It's kind of nice to. I like to wake up with like the sun kind of coming up a little bit already. Yeah. So this is kind of nice. Um, I like to rather... be up in the dark and watch the sunrise after yeah. I'm already up. I like yeah. that. But like John was saying, if you guys are a first time listener, make sure you guys hit that subscribe button. You guys will not need to go to another combat sports podcast you only have to come to us because we will cover everything you don't need to go to those media people okay come to us we are not media so come to us and we'll have some fun we're out here to have some fun you won't and so it begins anybody else yes it's always gonna begin (laughs) i always like to take jabs you know at people so you're gonna learn to love us and if you don't then it's on you but hey make sure you guys hit that subscribe button and the little bell as well as the thumbs up we want to thank you guys for continuing to support us on this show go to waitingpodcast.com pick up some of our merch if you're a first time listener you guys can go there we offer hoodies we offer sweatshirts we offer long sleeve shirts winter's coming you know it's getting colder enjoy it so big john what do you want to talk about first let's not talk to producer dave got a little big head of himself we were doing the The man in charge yeah the man in charge was talking some smack to us so we have to just put him (laughs) off to the side you probably won't hear from big uh podcast dave today so john what would you like to talk about oh come on we got to start with this let's just go and let's talk about the hot topic you're still on fire people in the media are still going after you i love Oh, we're gonna talk about that now i thought we're gonna do the fights first Oh, no, why not? Oh. Come on, just start it off the right way. Let's go. <laughs> the hell with fights. There's that the, that fight within the great. fight. It's just no. a beautiful thing. No. <sighs> there, Look, there, I, there. I laugh at it. I think it's hysterical. Okay, okay. Since since you brought it up, since you brought it up. <laughs> I mean, you know. Look, Ariel did this thing. Dave, do you have that? So, uh, uh, the whole 12 minutes? No, no, no. But the, oh, Ariel, okay, so please. can we summarize this? Ariel did this uh, clip for his, for his show. And I want to make sure this is very clear. I don't have anything against Ariel at all. I love I actually, Ariel. I actually like Ariel. You know, I love as Ariel. much as we jab at each other back and forth, all of these things, I, well, I got it. You had that little thing a while ago where he, I think he thought you were mad at him. Yeah, but here's the thing, John. Like, this is how much I don't care. I can't even remember what that was about. Okay. I don't. And people, like, I want you guys to understand the way I am on this show, this is the way I am in life. Like, oh, yeah, you're I a pain in the ass. I know. And I don't, I don't let people, <laughs> I don't let people's 
uh, outside stuff affect me. I really don't. It just, if you don't have positive energy and you're around me, I just leave and I'm good with it. Now, now I like Ariel. He's, I've, I've always liked him for the longest time. We had a little beef, you know, when I was fighting because of some of the questions he would ask. Also kind of some of the questions he would ask other fighters. I just kind of was like, oh God, this guy, you know, but I but also that's know his job. that's his job. I agree. Yep. And I also know that he's good. He's actually good for the sport. I got a lot of nice, I got a lot of nice things to say about Ariel. So, you know, um, in this, in this, um, in this whole thing, he just basically repeated what I had said after I had come out and released my video talking about the media promoting the Bellator rising cross promotion. And I came back and and, yeah, bad word promoting that everyone was, and I came back and I rebuttaled that and I said, look, everyone should understand. I shouldn't have to point this out. I was, I should have said covering. And he pointed that out as well after I right. had already done the same. He is right. Um, other other media guys had come. Luke Thomas had came and said, look, Josh said covering. He's like, it's not our job to promote. And I know it's not their job to promote. John, you and I know it's not their but job to promote. That's why you're not a journalist. You use yes. the wrong word at times. Oh, my God. Let's Ariel's- jump all over it because we have the opportunity to try to take the light off of us not doing our job sometimes the, right, the way it's supposed to be done. And we're just going to harp on. Josh is one bad word. This show is brought to you by mybookie.ag. If this is the first time you're listening to our show, Big John and I weighing in, go to mybookie.ag, use our promo code weighing in to see all your best betting odds at mybookie.ag. If you are a first time listener, your first initial deposit at mybookie.ag will give you a little extra spending cash when you use our promo code weighing in. Also, you only have to bet your winnings one time. That's a that's actually remarkable because most online sites make you bet it seven, eight, sometimes up to 10 times before you can pull your winnings out. You only have to bet your winnings one time. We use our promo code weighing in at mybookie.ag. I'm not going to tell you guys how to do your job. My no. look, this is what my whole point was in that first initial video and a lot. And I even had some other media. Um, what was it? MMA? What was it called? Dave um, MMA evolve. I've got it right here. Yeah. So uh, they, MMA Evolution. M- MMA Evolution on Sirius. So they they Look came out and a said good this, job. Yeah, they did a great job. They summed up exactly like I believe that this is a huge deal. Now I do understand where other guys have come. Like Luke Thomas, you know, he works for Showtime. He's he's uh he's paid by Showtime and and uh, what CBS him, or whatever. Him and Brian Campbell show yeah, Morning him, Combat is exactly. They yeah. do a great. They do a fantastic. It's a, it's a great job. show. It's a great show. Yeah. Um, Ariel is separate from his own. I just believe that it is. It is the media's job for something like a show like this to be covered. Now, I also feel like not yet yeah, to be covered, and to put the spotlight on because the all I heard from all of them is that you know what Bellator doesn't do a good job of promoting their okay. fighters, and Ryzen doesn't do a good job of promoting their fighters. I also believe that everyone's like, well, I don't even know who those, like Ariel said, I don't even know who the, the fighters from Ryzen are. Well, that's, that's his fault. That, that's his fault. And that is yeah. what that is, is that's a reflection of you're not really covering the sport. You're covering the UFC. Now, I, he said it very clearly. There's the big dog, which is the UFC. We're not, no, no one's in denial of that. Being, We're not denying right. that. And then you've, right. then you've got Bellator and PFL that are kind of like with each other. I got Bellator a little bit ahead and not because that I work for them. I just think they have the better talent of fighters on the roster. Okay. When I look at the comparison of fighters, the top level fighters, and if I was to match them all up, that's how I look at it. 
And they're about equal in terms of depth. I would say that, that Bellator has a bigger depth also of fighters. So I'm seeing the same fighters in the PFL every single time. They're recycling. Bellator is bringing in new fighters. Now you've got one. I believe that one is a great promotion. They just don't have enough shows normally. And we don't get to really view them as much. But they are now on Amazon Prime doing a great job promoting their product. Yep. Everyone's like, oh, but one is this. One is $400 million in debt. Let's remember that. So the fact that they're still around is baffling to all of us. But they have a great talent of fighters in the lower weight classes. We have said this for forever. My job, though, not even my job, my love for this sport, I am not media, but my love for this sport is to bring more attention to the fighters. I was a fighter for 20 years. I want to give everything I can, John, to these fighters. That's what you're doing, is you're giving the opinion of a fighter. You're not You're not covering the sport in a fashion of the the journalist or the media you're giving your opinion and it's your opinion be it right or be it wrong it's your opinion of what are the fighters doing what should they in your opinion be doing there's nothing wrong with that that's that's just what that's what our podcast is about but Mm -hmm. you know it's easy for people to try to lump everything together Let's put a label on it. I want to put a label on it. And so it's easy for them to say, well, you're the media, so why aren't you not covering No, I, I do cover it. I cover as much as I as we can, but I don't do it from the media standpoint because I don't write stories. You know, one, one of the things that happens off of our podcast all the time that cracks me up is we get a lot of these websites and media people taking what we say Mm-hmm. in our on our podcast and writing a story about it to get clickbait stuff and you look and you go really is that your way of being a journalist mm-hmm. how many stories have you written on anybody yeah. and what they've said i'm still trying to write cursive dude I can't. <laughs> <laughs> and, that's, and that's the whole thing look we are definitely not journalists if someone wants to try to to smash us into media, we're a different type of media. I'll, I'll say, okay, we're we're a certain type of media, but we're not. We're not the typical. And look, I want to say, there's some great journalists out there in the MMA world, and you know, and there's guys that I, I think it's unfair to even put them. Brett Okamoto works for ESPN. He's fantastic. He is, and he look, he, he's in a different position. He should only be really talking about the UFC, and I don't blame him for that, and I, I don't see how that could be anyone could look at it any differently. If he talks about another fighter from – okay, but his emphasis should be on the UFC. That's the company he works for. That's that's who they you know, cover it. I could see the PFL since ESPN has the PFL too where he could be doing some things there, but you know that kind of thing. It's when you have someone – that works for one of these MMA websites or some type of publication and all they cover is the one show. Mm -hmm. To me, all I'm saying is you're missing out. You're kind of being lazy Mm -hmm. and you're not being the true journalist who can look at the good of the UFC, which there's a ton, look at the bad, which there is some, look at the good of Bellator and PFL and one, which there is some, and look at the bad and say, hey, this is what I think needs to be done. Those are the things that they should be doing. They should be looking at some of it and saying, hey, I think you guys need to fix this. There's some great guys out there. You know, like John Morgan, you know, most of the time he, he's at the UFC, and I don't blame him with his blue shirt 
and that's where he lives, and it's all good. But Nolan King is doing a fantastic job. Look, Ariel is an outstanding journalist. He's a journalist. Yeah. You know, he he do, he does. He'll remind you with his with the little thing that hangs over his shoulder or something like that. It's <laughs> I'm right. journalist but, award this and that. And, I get. It. And I want to say, look, I think that he's one of the best interviewers I've ever seen for MMA. Yeah. He does a great job of interviewing people and getting things out of them. Sometimes that you know someone else is not going to do. So he's fantastic with that. And and I will say, since his departure from what he was doing before and then him going to ESPN and then leaving ESPN. You know, he has covered things much more evenly. He covers, he covers, you know, fighters from all the different organizations. He doesn't have a thing where he doesn't cover mm-hmm. someone because they're not in the USA. He does a great job. And he's one of those guys that I look at and say, I would definitely go to him to, to hear something. And he's one of those guys that he's the guy that's always breaking news. Mm-hmm. He's breaking stories. He's breaking, Oh, this fight is coming up. I hear that they're going to put this fight together. I don't do that. I hold no. those things back. You hold yeah. those things back. I know of fights. I've talked to the fighter who's going to be. He says, yeah, this is my next one. And he knows that I'm not going to sit there and tell anyone because it's not my job. But. Yeah, to, to some, yeah, pretty much to summarize it is that I don't, we, like you said, we don't break stories. We don't write stories. We'll talk on pieces that, that other journalists or websites have said we'll bring it up you know like hey so-and-so broke this you know and we're going to talk about it we're not going i'm not outside of this podcast and us giving our professional opinion for 22 years i was a fighter for however long you were a ref what 40 years okay um (laughs) sports 30 years old basically yeah it's it's, (laughs) you know you started before as you Yeah. yeah, yeah yeah um look we're we're just giving our professional opinions and the history of what we've done and 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 the people that we know and we don't I I can't give you guys I sit down with Coker and have lunch with him or breakfast with him you just did in Dublin or in Italy right it's yeah. like there's so much stuff that is said in one meeting I can't I can't say that to you I wouldn't I wouldn't have friends if yeah, I you wouldn't have a job I wouldn't have a job <laughs> so. And and if you don't believe that, yeah, if you don't believe that, ask Ariel how he's not with originally the UFC anymore. That's how all that comes about. So, look, I like I said, I appreciate and respect what Ariel does. You know, um, I know that there was some stuff that went on with us between us. You know, a little while back, I can't even remember what it was about because I don't, I don't think about like that type of stuff. I don't keep that stuff in me. I'm not that kind of person. I'm not a negative person. I enjoy being around positive people, but. The there was that what was it MMA Evolution on on Sirius Radio they did a, a a bit about it. Dave, can you pull up some of what they said? Yeah, I can. Um, I've got the podcast here, so yeah. I can so what 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 I liked what they said was that they the media definitely does give a lot of, of they'll take whatever they'll whatever they're fed from the UFC. Yeah, and the, and they brought up a good point here. Is that when the Zuckerberg thing happened at the at the Plex or the Apex or whatever, they basically said, "Oh, okay," and they, they you know, it wasn't was, really like it was well, them see, eating it. Now, go see, ahead. and this is this is where I look and I go, I can see where they're stuck in two positions. Yeah, when when the UFC basically said, "We're going to give you the week off," mm-hmm. all right, that's not. The, the the media the journalists are not asking for the week off they're being told you can't come yeah it should have been 
in my opinion, it's just my opinion, and it's an opinion, but it should have been that they said, no problem, and there should have been no coverage of that event from the media. You weren't That's not fair to, to the fighters, through. though, John. That's not fair to the I, fighters. Hold on. I, 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 admi- yeah. I admit that. I think that the problem is the fighters are the ones yeah. that are suffering. Mackenzie Dern, who's fighting in that you know, fight, she's suffering not based upon anything she's done. Mm-hmm. It's based upon, well, her promotion is wanting to do a certain thing with certain entities, and they're the ones that are pulling that back. So I agree. But in, in reality, it almost should have been, hey, we, all right, we won't cover it. That really should have been the way they looked at it. I understand why they did it, and and they covered it anyways. But that's a slap to the media because the media, although, and I'm going to say the word, they don't promote. They help promote. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's because true. Because every, every time the UFC gives them you know, information or something and they put it out, that's helping the promotion mm-hmm. promote what they are trying to put out there to the public. It's coverage. They're, they're using that information as coverage, but coverage actually helps the promotion in promoting what it is that they want to push forward. And uh, that that event, you know, the, the whole Zuckerberg thing, you looked and you went, man, that's really a, a bad, bad light that you're showing if you're telling the media they can't come, and then if the media is actually doing probably what they should have done, they probably shouldn't have covered the whole thing. They did, and it's fine, but you look and you go, probably shouldn't have. They probably should have kind of told the USC, hey, you can't do this to us. Yeah. But, well, but to go back on what you were just talking about is that I've, and I know I said this before, I said where, you know, you were denied credentials if you didn't, if you, you know, talked about Bellator too much, you talked about other promotions too much, or you went to those... That was obviously in the draconian days, but as as we're coming up though, up until the ESPN deal was signed where they bought over the pay per views, they were still when the Bellator was during the same week because I have I have media members that have reached out to me and said we just weren't allowed if we went to Bellator on Thursday like when we were on CBS Sports if we went to Bellator on Thursday and we covered you guys and then we flew to go to the UFC we were given a press credential but then we were given a seat in the stands. Basically, not on the press uh, tables. We press were given press. a seat in the stands, and we actually were on our laptop working from there. That was it. So they actually in, that's that's what I was told by some that were covering the covering the UFC during that time. And then when the ESPN deal with the pay per views got bought, and then they started guaranteeing, I think it was like five hundred thousand pay per view buys. Then the UFC was like, "Look, there's no reason for this. We're going to get plenty of coverage. We're not really. It's not really costing us anything." All of those things being said, I was not. I was not off. What I was repeating was from what media, some media members had told me is that when we went to Bellator on Thursday, we covered the weigh-ins at Wednesday and did the fight on Thursday and then went to the UFC on Friday and then covered them on Saturday. We weren't always given a press pass. We were given a ticket. We covered it from our actual seats. That's what I was told. Not given any names, but that's what I was told. And so I went with that revoking your your credentials i mean i know i've heard those stories from way back uh and and then you got to remember remember there was a time where guys like uh were in sure dog and all those they were booted out they were like no you guys are not here if you were for sure dog you were not allowed in yeah you weren't allowed in so and what was that based upon uh like i said john i got it i don't remember as simple as it gets it was based upon their two reporters josh gross Mm -hmm. who 
let out after the uh, tough four when, when they had the comeback where it was Matt Sarah and Travis Luter and all those guys. He let out who, before the show ever came out, Oof. he on a podcast or on a radio interview basically said, okay, here, this is going to be a spoiler, so if you don't want to know, don't listen. But he put out who were going to be the guys in the finals. It was going to be Patrick Cote against Travis Luter and Matt Sarah against Chris Lytle. Mm. He put that out, and Dana exploded. And I don't yeah. blame Dana. I, look, this is but this is the difference. This is what a journalist does. He yeah. he finds out something, and he puts it out there. And so that was a big part. And then the other part was Loretta Hunt. And you know, let's be honest. UFC ruined Loretta Hunt's career within MMA. She's she does she's still a writer and does all kinds of books and everything. She wrote my book. She wrote Randy Couture's book. Um, you know, she was gonna write I think DC's book. She wrote. Uh, yeah, she was, good. she was talking to me about doing one. She was talking yeah. about doing one with me as well. Yeah. And, you know, she does all kinds of things still, but she wrote an article about the UFC taking away passes for the managers or limiting things down, and it was based upon they didn't want the manager in the back because it was easy to go in the back and talk to the fighter without the manager. And the fighter would agree to things. <laughs> and so, you know, it was... Look, it was managers that went to her that said, hey, this is what's occurring. And then Dana, you know, went on a rant and said all kinds of things that you should never say and, you know, put out of, at the time, remember he was doing the vlogs, he was doing his video vlogs, yeah. you know, and he, he, he got in trouble with, you know, all kinds of communities based upon some of the things he said, but he never took the, you know, what he, what he did to her and what he said was absolutely horrible. But she, you know, eventually she just left the sport of MMA because it yeah. just left a horrible taste in her mouth. And I don't want to be part of that. Yeah. And it's too bad because she was great for the sport. Yeah, she, um, she covered me quite a bit back in the day. She was a sweet person. Really yep. nice. Oh, really, sweetheart. really nice. Um, but in the go ahead, Dave, go ahead and play this little clip. If there's a little bit of a soundbite you can give. Yeah, it's probably like a minute and a half. So just okay. whenever you're ready, cut. Just let okay. me know. Certain times of year. Um, I do want to uh, kind of just go back to the Bellator Rising thing. We were talking about, you know, the, the evolution of the sport and stuff. You kind of mentioned it when we had Jillian on last week. You know, Josh Thompson put out that uh, I think I, when I talked about it with my editor over at Miami, Miami News, first of all, I told him I agreed with Thompson. And um, uh -oh. he was like, but he, he worded yeah, it. Yeah, that's rare, by the way. Media never that. agrees with me. Thompson asked MMA media, are you going to promote this event? And that's where it's the, the, the funny thing is all the people that chimed in them that to say, we're not promoters and blah, 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 are also the people that are guilty of literally riding the UFC's fucking nutsack all the time. Um, and, and, and so he didn't mean to say promote, prom I, I almost wanted to reach out to him to try to get him on here, but, um, you know, with the, with the timing and trying to do everything, I was just like, you know what, if, if, uh, I'll bring it up next Bellator event I cover, hopefully in December. If if I get to Mohegan Sun in December, to I'll just ask him straight up and like record it or something. But like, you know, whatever he meant to say. But you know, I he he, he kind of said, "What are you afraid you're going to use you lose your UFC credential?" And all the folks that were like attacking him were kind of just like, you know, oh, we don't promote events. We're not afraid. We're not afraid of using the. But not for no, not for nothing. Literally at the beginning of the same month, all of you motherfuckers got your credential pulled for one weekend, so that Mark Zuckerberg could sit cage side 
there and watch go. an event. And nobody said shit about it. Not only did you not say shit about it, you fucking ate that shit. And literally were like, okay, uh, we'll just come back next weekend and not ever bring it up and ask why. Or, and no one said anything about it. Like, why did you do that to us? How come you didn't mention it when we asked? And then, uh, you know, it, it was allegedly for some meta. Oh, Dana White flat out said, oh, Mark Zuckerberg didn't rent the thing. But, I mean, everybody clearly saw different. All right. People were let's, like, that's oh, good. Let's, that's let's, good. Let's, just be, let's be honest with it. And this is what we were talking about with the whole thing with it happened with Sure Dog and with Josh Gross, Loretta Hunt. Dana did those things and he did them for a reason. Mm-hmm. And it, it showed to everyone else, hey, I'll do this to you too. Mm-hmm. And so that has not been forgotten by the MMA media or the journalists. They all still know about it, they all talk about it. They know that that is out there, and they don't want that to happen. And I'm not saying Dana would do that again now, but you know, when when something has happened, it puts it in your mind that oh, it could happen again. And I and I I think the whole thing is this. And I don't give a shit if it's Bellator and Ryzen or if it was the PFL with one. This whole cross promotion thing is great for the sport. Yeah, and everyone should get behind this type of interaction between two promotions because this is what's going to give you sometimes great fights not all the time i'm not saying that everyone's going to be a great fight but it's the possibility of having fights that at a certain point have never been possible and now you're having two promotions come together to put together fights that are really going to be outstanding as far as the competition level i can't say what the fight's going to end up being like they could be fantastic they could be crummy but they're giving fighters an opportunity to fight in a place that their contracts normally wouldn't allow them to. That's good for the sport. It's good for the fighters. It's good for the fans. It's good for the media. It's good for everyone. There's nothing bad in this, and all the whole thing comes down to this is, hey, please cover it in a fashion that shines some light on what the promotions are doing what the fighters are doing, having to go through now that they're fighting someone that they've never seen before or any of that. All of those things are great stories and things that can bring other people into the world of MMA and get them excited. Well, John, like Ariel, he even said on his clip, he said, look, I can't even tell you who AJ McKee's fighting. He's like, I don't know the rising. Oh, that's too bad. Well, Cause he's that's such a, a good fighter. Man. And that's the thing. <laughs> I, I actually talked with, um, not with AJ, but with some people that are working with AJ right now. And they're like, this, this is a scary fight for him. Fuck. This yes, is not. it is. And so, and there's, and not just him, but like Patricio's fighting a guy who's a lot taller than him and longer than him. And I know yeah, he's never been a problem. Two. How many, how many, many problems? That's everybody. I get it. <laughs> that is everybody. Yeah. <laughs> Um, you know, and Juan's got a he's Juan Archuleta's got his hands full as well. His hands full. It's a great. But fight. my point is, is Ariel Hawani is considered to be number one, number two, I guess, in, in you know in MMA in terms of coverage. How do you not know the champions at Ryzen? I thought you were a journalist, and I'm not taking a dig at you, dude. I'm not taking a dig at you, Ariel. I think, like I just said, I've said repeatedly on this this short little clip here that I think you're fantastic. But and I get that you cover mainly UFC because they're the top dog. We get sure. all that. But how do you not know the champions in the other organization? And this, now that this is happening, I look at Bellator is this is a this is a huge risk for them. They've got more to lose than Ryzen does. Yes. And that that's why I think this is such a big deal, is they're doing what 
the UFC is afraid to do with Bellator or with PFL or with one. They're afraid to take that chance and put a spotlight on another organization. Whereas they're not doing that. And they're, they're allowing, Bellator's allowing these other fighters to have a spotlight put on them. I'm going to be honest. The guy who's fighting uh, AJ, he beat Tofik Mosayev. Tofik Mosayev is a fucking savage. And that's beat, what's beat beat him in the first round in like yeah. two minutes. And that's what's that's what's crazy. And Tofik Mosayev's got a win over Patricky Pitbull. But no, and like, that's the thing. These journalists or these media, they don't even know who he is. And that's that's why when I talked to Coker about this, I said, Why are you doing this? I go, I like I like the idea of cross promotion. I always have. But maybe one fight, two fights, champions, champions, that's a lot at risk. And I've said this before, I even said it on Rogan. You don't have champions fight maybe if you were to do Bellator and UFC or PFL and Bellator. You don't do champion versus champions, so promotions don't get affected too much. They don't lose their money lines. But what they do is you put like a you know number two guy versus number one guy or vice versa. You have fighters that really wanted to see. I always said MVP and Steven Thompson would have been a great fight. Oh, been a great fight. You know what I mean? Like You put fights together that fans want to see. Yeah. This, this is something that these fights... Whether they're going to be good or not, no one knows. But it is a cross-promotion that other promotions have never tried to do. This is the first big-time cross-promotion. And I feel like the media should be giving it a lot of coverage. Which, as of lately, they have been. And it will fade away here. It will fade away during November, December, up until about two weeks before the fight. It will that's fade okay. away. And yeah. that's it happens for every promotion. Yeah. You hear a fight gets broken you know, from whoever. And then it says, hey, this fight's going to happen. And then it dies down. Because they're promoting all the other fights that are happening in between, which is fair. And then in about cover. a week and a half, you're cover. Sorry, cover. I did it again. And so they're covering the other fights that are all happening, coming up, which is fair. I just feel that this is the biggest co-promotion that's ever happened in sports, in this sport, in combat sports history. In MMA history, I should say. Sorry. And this is a huge deal. So for them to say, oh, well, it's not our job to promote. You guys, you guys know what you're doing. You're trying to twist the words. You know what and, your job is. And take the emphasis off of, you, off of you guys. And that was my point. I'm not taking a dig at any of you guys. I want you guys. Well, to let's be honest. I know. <laughs> I, I, I want, I would like, I should say, not that I want, I would like the media to give these fighters that are from Ryzen, that are from Bellator, the fact that this is a huge deal, give them their due. A lot of these fighters, it's been their dream, their dream to fight in Japan on New Year's Eve. It is one of the biggest spectacles in the world that I've that I was a part That's of awesome. one time, but it's absolutely fantastic. And these fighters, they just they want the world to see who they are and what they can do. That's all. That's all I want. I want a lot of these guys, guys like AJ McKee, guys like Juan. Juan doesn't get enough. Juan Archuleta doesn't get enough credit. He doesn't get enough respect. Love. He doesn't get enough love, man. The guy yeah. is fantastic. He's a fantastic fighter. Yeah. You know, and then, you know, and you've, and you've got, I don't have to say anything about Patricio. He's a stud. He's been, he's been the pillar of Bellator. He's the best fighter that ever come out of Bellator ever, yeah. you know, and uh, maybe the one day he'll get, you know, someone will overtake that. Yeah. But as of right now, he's the guy that's helped carry that promotion. Records are made to be broken no matter what yeah. they are. Yeah. You know? So, um, yeah, I wanted to clarify all that stuff, you know, <clears throat> big fan of, you know, morning combat, Luke Thomas, BC, Ariel. Got nothing but love for you, respect for you, brother. Keep doing what you're doing. You know, I know I dig at you. Never take it personal with me. I don't take it personal from you guys. I know we had that little thing where I was posting pictures of me on the beach, whatever it is. Bro, I just want to let everyone know. That's things, just you. 
it doesn't affect me. I go I, I, I go on social media when I'm bored and I leave social media because I got things to do. And so it doesn't affect me. I don't I don't pay attention to it. I get clips from Dave saying, hey, so-and-so said this. I don't look at stuff anymore. I just literally come here, give my opinion, watch the fights, give my opinion on the fights, my expert opinion. Okay, 20 something years of doing this is my expert opinion, like John's. Hey, you're That's an expert. This is. There's no doubt about it. Yeah. So, right. people can say what they want. You're an expert. And, I just look and, at it this way. Hey, for everyone out there, please <laughs> give this, give this just a little thought. And hey, we, you and I, we're not perfect, but we're no. goddamn close. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> You guys, All right, let's be, get out to the UFC. Be, be kind and, to someone. Enjoy your day. See you later. The show's thank over. you very much. I <laughs> no. love that. So, right. so everyone out there, be kind to Ariel. I want you to do something yeah. kind for Ariel. No, <laughs> it's like, look, if I die, how do when, you how are you not nice to the nose, huh? How are you not nice oh, to the nose? No, I love it. You know what? He's he's made a hell of a career. I give him credit, man, because yeah. it's, it's not easy. I don't care what you do, and no. and you have to work your ass off. I tell people all the time, don't don't sit there and expect for things just to happen. And, you know, the one thing that I love about Ariel, I, I'll say it right now, he's a hard worker. Yeah. Man, he he's traveling all the time. You know, this is a guy that he's got kids. He's a hard worker, and he works at his craft. And anybody that does that, I have respect for. And I've always liked Ariel. So, But let's get on with the UFC because they had a fight night, and there was actually some really good performances Maybe not the greatest fights as far as competition overall, but there was some great performances in this. Uh, you want to start start from the bottom or start from the top? You tell me, man. But it's a uh... well. There's not many to talk about from the bottom. Okay. So there's only two from the bottom that I really want to mention. The rest of All them right. were eh, lackluster. So we can start. Let's go ahead and start from the bottom. All right. So let's, let's start, start from, from the bottom because I want to talk about Jake Hadley because yep. that was a performance to talk about. He looked completely different than I watched him when he did his Dana White contender uh fight and uh he looked really good and then his first UFC just you know he he ran into someone that was able to stifle everything that he did mm -hmm. put him on his back made it to where he did, really wasn't offensive and man in this one he was offensive throughout it it was a very good fight Carlos Candelero did a great job he took a lot of big shots and I'll tell you what I love the body shots that Jake Hadley was going after him with he continued with those body shots both left and right hand and when candelario would would switch he continued back after him and those made a big difference in the fight because they took a lot of gas from candelario you could see where they were affecting him. you saw his elbows getting tight towards his body at times you go oh, that hurt him you know and yeah. all those things and then the submission was look candelario decided to change where this fight was taking place you know, because on the feet, I think the body shots were getting to him. Those shots, after a while, you go, I can't take him anymore. He goes for the takedown. He gets the single leg takedown. And right away, Hadley brings up a high guard, puts it over towards the triangle, locks that up. Didn't have the arm across, and that's why it took so long for it to finally become a good submission. But I thought overall, you talk about coming back off of a poor performance. What a great performance by Jake Hadley. That was also his debut, though, correct, John? Yes. Yeah, I mean, look, the nerves. Yeah, coming And then he, he's, from, he's from Europe. He's from the UK. So and, it's like, yep. okay, like, yeah, coming over and, and just the travel, whatever it was. I mean, just understanding that. Did he, where was that fight at, John his, or Dave, his last fight? Was it in the I think UK, it was though? at the fucking Apex, too. 
Was it at the apex? I think so. Anyways, <clears throat> I'm just saying, if he had to travel from the UK to the States and his first fight in, you know, in the UFC, all those things, I know you're supposed to be able to perform. It's a lot. It's a lot to take in, you know, yep. and, um, but you can see that he's getting better. You can see that he, he understands what he needs to do now. He wasn't going to be pushed around. It wasn't going to be bullied around. And, uh, Candelero came out really aggressive in the first part and he stood his ground. He stuck some nice jabs out there. Candelero has a stiff jab, beautiful yeah. jab, beautiful. But the thing with jabs is they make you tired if you're active with them. You're constantly reaching. It's really just rotating the upper body and giving a little bit of the hip and sticking that stiff jab in the face. They can make you tired. They can start to make those arms fatigue. Yep. And uh, he was just stiffing the sticking the jab, but he wasn't following up with the twos and the threes. He did early in the fight in the first like two minutes, but as that started slowing down, his defense started fading him too. And so then that's when uh, Hadley started just touching him and touching him. And I really loved how Hadley was coming back with the leg kicks. He'd throw the combination, throw the leg kick, come back hands, and then throw the leg kick again. He would leave with the leg kick and then throw the hands. He did a great job of mixing it up. And as soon as the fight hit the ground, he went right to submission, attacks, attack, attack. Nicely done. Great performance. I'm not going to hold too much stock on this, to be honest. He did what he had to do in camp. He made some changes. He came back and fought a great fight. But the competition in that weight class is going to get real stiff as he starts to make his way up. I'm, I'm expecting big things from him from what I saw from that performance. I just, I want to, I want to, like I said, what did we say? Uh, who was it the other night? The young kid who's from the Dana White Contender Series. Rosas? Ro uh, oh, yeah. 18 year old. Yeah. How, how, how old is Hadley? I want to slow things down for these guys, their first, second fights. <laughs> He's 26. Mm -hmm. Give him some time. Bless, Bless you. you. Oh. Oh. Terrible. Bless you. Oh. Down goes Josh. Yeah, down, down goes, goes Thompson. Thompson. Yeah. It's been rainy and windy here a little bit the last couple of days, and I've noticed I've been sneezing a little bit more. So, fall. Oh. So, I want to hold off. I want to hold off. Too much hype, because then what happens is these young guys go home and they read their paper clippings. And they're like, oh, and then <laughs> things change. I want to give him the yes, love he deserves. He went back to the drawing board, did his homework, came back, and he impressed. Keep on the same stride. Keep doing what you're doing. Be positive. Stay focused on the guys in your gym. Keep You guys keep getting better. He's at a great gym. They've got great, they're having great success right now on what they're doing. <clears throat> Just keep doing what you're doing. Good stuff. Great performance by him. Let's go back to the, the main card. <clears throat> I thought that Munoz Jr. had a great performance, a very dominant performance, but I Good. thought he had a great performance. He fought smart. He fought aggressive. He was letting the hands go. He was really putting together. Uh, he looked really fit. Uh, he just good wrestling at times. <laughs> yep. Dominant yeah. top control when he got to the top. was He was doing everything really well really well he's gonna be a force to be reckoned with same thing with him though i'm gonna dial back all the hype on him and just keep doing what you're doing and just stay stay in line like don't you didn't take a didn't look like you took a lot of damage maybe i didn't see maybe i didn't see something as soon as you get home take a day or two to enjoy some food but get back on that training regimen and just stay focused on what you're doing get another fight in because you looked impressive build on this that's i think for these young fighters that's the You've got to continue to do that. As a young fighter, I was so stupid. So stupid. <laughs> I'm just being honest. Fight that night, club, party, hang out, 
for a week and then I got back in the gym, but it was half-assing it. But I, but still, that next week or two was I was out eating. I mean, I was I was never a big guy, but it just I didn't I didn't take it as serious as I should have. And after spending time training with guys like Khabib, a lot of the a lot of the guys from Dagestan who they don't drink, they don't gamble, they don't party, they don't go out. They they focus on what they're doing and look at the leaps and bounds that they make from fight to fight. The progress is being shown. If you want to be a premier athlete these days, you can't be you can't backwards. be a, you can't take a you can't be a part time athlete. That's what the difference is. You cannot be fighting doesn't have a season. <clears throat> So fight, since fighting doesn't have a season like the NFL and the NBA, you don't have the time to go enjoy your three months off. You need to be constantly grinding because the UFC or any other promotion may just call you on a whim. Say, hey, we have this fight. You need to always be ready, especially in this day and age. Back when I was fighting, there was only seven, eight pay-per-views a year, you know, and there was very, very rare other promotions had a lot of fights. So you got as many fights as you possibly could. You had to stay training. I missed out on some fights because I wasn't ready. My weight was up, whatever it was. But great job by Munoz. And do you want to go ahead and give uh, the ladies her due? Look, at Pollyanna Viana went out there. And, I mean, she did a great job. She, you know, put shots. And I. this is where I was saying, I thought, I like Jin Yufra. I think she's a great fighter, but she's just too small for that weight. She needs to be back at Adam weight. The, the girls are just, and our women are just, Physically and and Ginu Fry is strong, but it's just the size difference and it causes their problems. And uh, Pollyanna lit her up. You know that was uh, she got knocked out. It says TKO when they uh, talked about it. It's like that's that's what we call a KO. She was out. Yeah. And uh, it says KO, John. Yeah, I, when they announced it, they said TKO, and I'm glad they changed it because <clears throat> this is the whole thing. Very simple for everyone out there when you're looking at. What the difference between a TKO and a KO when a referee looks at it is as simple as this. Could, excuse me, could the fighter. You and I are having some problems right now. Well, I'll tell you, man, <laughs> you just sent it all the way from California. Could the fighter, as far as intelligent defense, was the fighter not intelligently defending themselves and you stopped the fight? That's a TKO. Okay. What you're looking at for a KO is the fighter cannot intelligently defend themselves, meaning that their brain's not there. They're not able to function. They're not able to do anything. When you're looking at the TKO, it's they can. They're just they're just not you know doing the right things. Their brain's there. It's when their brain's not there, even though they're not out completely, but their brain's been altered. And they cannot intelligently defend themselves based upon the inability from the shots they took. That's when it becomes a KO. That was definitely because she went out. And there was other ones, you know, when you look at uh, even the the main event. I know uh, Rodriguez mm -hmm. afterwards claimed that it was stopped early. No, it wasn't. Yeah. Jason Herzog did her a favor. Trust me, she was in trouble. When you when you start looking like a kid on a on a playground getting beat up and just kind of turning mm -hmm. she, you weren't there you're not fighting and that's not what a professional fighter does and it's because you were hurt and so happens but Miranda uh, Mario Batista nice win beautiful submission against Benito Lopez well done but Miranda Maverick you have got to give her credit man she looked fantastic against 
Shane Aaron, when when that fight you saw the just the level of difference when that fight hit the ground, mm. Shane Young had no answers whatsoever as far as positioning, as far as how to uh, how to actually get herself away or get herself back to the fence at times. Miranda Maverick was just all over her. That was a beautiful. It went to a decision, but I love the fact she was trying to finish it the whole time. She was going after the choke. She was setting things up. She was landing shots. That was a fantastic performance by Miranda uh, Maverick. You know, I was very impressed with Grant Dawson. I was also very impressed oh. with uh, Pollyanna Viana because I didn't get a chance to talk because John took the spotlight. So I guess. I'm sorry, but no, but. Viana looked fantastic. Uh, she's kept her distance. She was trying to figure out the timing. Great job by her. Yeah. But Grant Dawson looked outstanding. <clears throat> oh, the simple fact of the matter is, is that he took someone's strength and he used it against them. And he just said, "Look, instead of me getting up top in the clinch, I'm going to go ahead and start attacking the legs, get in there deep on the takedowns, and make you work from beginning to end." And he did a great job. Once that fight hit the ground, he was just making him work, constantly making him work. And I had never seen uh, Marco Madsen get tired like that. He looked frustrated. He looked, he looked fatigued. He looked like he was just lost out there. He and, was. And I think I think DC and uh, I can't. Remember, who was the other? Oh, and Dom. Dom. He he took an Olympic caliber wrestler and he broke him. That was it. It got to the point at the very end, right before the submission, that uh, Omatsen was just he was lost. He was just putting his hands out, trying to defend from everywhere. It was almost like Chris Tucker on. Rush hour. Which one of y'all motherfuckers which one, is hitting which one do you hit me? <laughs> yeah. And that's that's really what it looked like when he was when he got mounted, got his back taken, all of those things. He didn't know what to do. No. And it's frustrating. It's just, man, what are you doing? But Grant Dawson looked fantastic. I'm gonna also slow play this as well. He looked a little he looked good, but he looked good and he looked so good that it was dominant. He never had to fight it through any adversity in that fight. <clears throat> he it just was one of those one of those fights that it was a snowball effect. As he started taking over, it just got easier and easier for him. And it just was, a, he got into a rhythm of just, I can do this, I can do this. So he's there. I think he's going to, he's got a bright future. Let's see what he does from here on out. <clears throat> uh, and obviously, go ahead. Yeah, yeah I, I'm going to tell you, I thought Grant Dawson had the performance of the show. I was unbelievable. Really? Yes. By far, because look, he was going against a guy that, it, when you, no matter what, when you got a guy that's a silver medalist in the Olympics as a wrestler, and you go out and you out wrestle him, you out freaking condition him, you do all these things. And, and Grant Dawson has had some fights where it's gone the other way for him. He had the fight against Ricky Glenn, where look, he won the first two rounds, and Ricky Glenn in the third round came out and was putting it on Grant Dawson to the point where two of the judges, and it should have been all three, Two of the judges gave Ricky Glenn a 10-8 round. He had him in a in a deep choke at the end of the fight. If the fight didn't, uh, if the bell didn't rent end, that fight could have been over, and Dawson could have had a loss off of it. But he got a he got a draw out of it. But he's been in those situations where things didn't go. The one, the only thing that I'll take from Grant Dawson on this is he didn't make weight, and. You know, he talked about that, and he didn't, but goddamn, he had an um, unbelievable performance as far as what he did, a guy that was undefeated, all of those things. Competition-wise, I thought he had the performance of the night. I'm going to go with Hadley for performance of the night. 
<clears throat> that was okay. me. I'm gonna I'm gonna go with Hadley. And I understand okay. what you're saying, John, when it comes to Grand Dawson. But I can't give someone performance of the night for not making weight. I, uh, and then and, I and then that. and then also fighting somebody who I believe um, Marco Matson's 38. Yep. Yeah. Yep. Yep. It just you should be able to out endurance him. You're you should be able to push on the gas pedal. At 38 years old for myself in the lower weight classes, I'm only speaking for myself. At 38, I started noticing a difference in terms of the conditioning, the recovery between rounds, all of those things. And yeah. if it wasn't going your way, it felt even worse. And so, I like I said, I'm going to hold off on giving him too much love. First, what are the three jobs? What is, what's your job? What's There's three things you have a job to do, right? Yep. Go ahead, John. This is your saying, so I'm going to let you blow it up. Oh, it's real One simple, of them is what? Yeah. First, first thing is be on time. Second is yeah. make weight. Yeah. Third is go out and give it everything you have. You know the people, yeah. you know, are buying the seats. They paid for you to fight hard. Fight hard. Yep. And so he he missed that second one. It's yeah, important. He did. I admit it. Important. He did. He did. But I, it, uh, you, you got to look because Marco Madsen's last fight before this was against a guy that you know came out of my gym, Vince Pichel, who is just a dog as far as great conditioning, great endurance. Mm -hmm. And Oma and Omasson was able to stay with it. And Pichelle had his moments in that fight, but Omasson was able to stay with it. So that told me that, you know, look, he's got good conditioning. Mm -hmm. Grant Dawson just put him in those positions. And, you know, you've, you've had those fights and you've seen those fights where you're able to push someone at a pace that, you know, I don't care if it's two to three beats per minute of your heart faster than it should be mm -hmm. those two to three excuse me two to three beats per minute add up mouthful that's a yeah, mouthful they, but they add up and it, when you are pushed to that that's past your your comfort zone or your ability and someone stays on the pedal and keeps making you stay at that and there's no way for you to slow it down eventually you're going to fall off the cliff yeah, it's just the way it is, and and I thought Grant Dawson did a fantastic job of maintaining that pressure on him and keeping him in that position where he was working past his comfort zone. I agree. I agree. Uh, my boy, man, Ulanbekov looked fantastic. fantastic. He looked yeah. fantastic. What are you gonna say? I got a little concerned though, John, because Manis looked quick and fast, and he was throwing some heavy heat in the beginning of that fight, and. And Ulo Bekoff was backing up with his chin in the air. And I was like, please don't yep. get caught. Please don't get caught. So you could see that he was trying to uh, he was trying to get the timing of it. But he took a couple big shots right before that. Yeah. And he's not a big guy. So Ulo Bekoff, I, the one of the first times I grappled him, I was like, man, he looked bigger when I saw you against the wall getting ready to train. And then I grabbed you. And I'm like, wow, you're scared. You're like you're you're tiny. You're so small. But he was fighting 125 pounds. He's a flyweight. A, what do you expect? I was afraid to like roll over his leg or something and break it. It was that's. But he um he's he's a stud. I love the little uh comparison they were trying to do with the you know oh Umar Umar he, he went the distance with him. You were able to finish him and but I love how they give each other credit. I love how they're working with each other. I love how they're they're brothers for each other. Their their Umar is a fantastic fighter. I, he's been training AK since he was 19 years old. He walked in that door, and I just seen the progression of him since then. And now you've got Ulanbekov as well. I've seen the progression of him. He's getting so much better. Yeah. And 
now it's just going to come down to who can implement their game plans as they go on and higher up in the rankings. I think Ulanbekov's got a little bit more time that he needs to grow. He needs to put some muscle on. He needs to, it looks like he needs to get a little bit stronger. Whereas Umar is definitely filled out. He is filled out in terms of you look at them side by side and I'm like, you guys, like if you look at this, the, the, yeah. Umar looks way bigger. But well, no, he is fight, he is bigger. He is bigger. Let's say he's fighting in a different weight class. No, he is. No, yeah. I agree. Umar's with you. fighting at Bantam weight. Bekoff is at, at flyweight. So they're no, in different weight classes. So they are. They are. But if in, even if I say they're in different weight classes, they look like they're yeah. in two different weight classes. Like Umar well, looks like he's a fifty-five pounder. But but Ulanbekov is taller than Umar. Yeah. You know, and thinner. <laughs> and is he, is he taller than him? Yeah, he's a little bit taller than you think so. I think so. Look it up for so. me. See if see I, how, I don't, the height of Ulanbekov is so, not. Five five foot five, six, six for a flyweight, not bad. Umar's probably five seven, five eight. Really? Mm-hmm. I, I would have said Umar. He's not. A, dude, he's not five a, five at most. Really five five. I would have thought, yeah, at most five eight. Five eight. Okay, you're right. Yeah, I've had, I've had that little savage on me, man. Fucking trying to put my lights out. <laughs> dude, every time I see him, I go, man, he's small. Yeah, he's uh, not. Yeah, he's not a big guy either. Um, good performance by Ulanbekov. On to the next one, buddy. On yeah. to the next one. Good stuff. Uh, there okay, was, so there, there was we, you got to bring up the one thing with, with Manus. Manus put out a, a photo of him supposedly weighing 178 pounds, and people were buying that. And I went, no. there ain't no freaking way. <laughs> I'm no. sorry. So nice joke. Nice job by Nathan Manus having someone else put their foot on the scale to make it look like you were way, way more than what you made. That's but, interesting. One second. Uh, that was funny. Yeah, I was, I, you and I were texting back and forth, and I said, even when I was fighting at 55, I never got up to 178. Yeah. No. That's, that's way too big. That's not going to be it. All right. Nerdenbeke Shalayan versus Derek Menner. I mean, you, you look at it and you go, hey, what can you do? It's uh, Derek Menner. Obviously, something happened off of that kick when it started. He hurt himself, but he went right back to it, kicked again. And then went down from it. So this is just injuries happen. What are you going to say? You know, Nurdenbeke gets the the win and, and, you know, did what he was supposed to do. He went and, you know, he pounded him out. But uh just happens. Injuries. Well, if I was going to, if for my uh, ESPN app to finally shut down or for it to shut down, it happened during the right fight. Because I didn't see this fight because my yep. ESPN app just shut off. I don't know why or what. That's why I just kept a, talking about it. I know. It, it went to a loading <laughs> sign. I was texting you. I'm like, did your ESPN app shut down? You're like, no, I'm watching. I'm like, fuck. <laughs> so, so, so and then you said, ah, you didn't miss anything. I was like, all right, cool. No. Then I went I went straight to the Neo Mag. As soon as I clicked back on, they were, they were just introducing uh, D-Rod and, and Neo Magni. John, we, we sat up here and we said that D-Rod was, it was a lot. He was biting off a little bit more than he can chew. I got to be honest. He wasn't biting off more than he can chew. No, he looked good throughout a lot of it. Look, he in the stand-up, and this was the whole reason I said I think he's biting off more. Than, if it was a stand-up fight, I would have picked Daniel Rodriguez. His stand-up is clean. He's got a beautiful left hand straight down the pipe. He, he's got good footwork. He's got good balance. He's got good power but he does not have a ground game that's close to Neil Magny. And if Neil, who is a guy that when he clutches onto you, he just starts to wear on you, even if you're pretty good with your takedown defense, he eventually starts to just make you carry his weight, which gets you tired. And we know that 
Magni has got a gas tank. And so those aspects, you know, just in itself, it's like I looked at it and said, you know, look, Daniel Rodriguez could possibly knock out Neil Magni. No doubt about it. He's got that ability in the stand-up. But anywhere else in this fight, I don't see him winning. And that's what it came down to. Let's just be honest. Daniel Rodriguez got tired. Okay, and I don't blame him for getting tired. Yeah. He was working his ass off to try to get away from Neil Magny in the clinches and then with the takedowns, and he was doing everything he could. And when he was when he was free in the stand-up, mm-hmm. look, he hurt Magny multiple times. He had Magny feeling the power and being very concerned, but this is MMA, and that's what makes MMA so cool is that you don't have to be the guy that's better, you know, with the punching or with the kicking. You can be the guy that's just better at once I get a hold of you, you can't stop what I do. And that's Neil Magny, man. He, he's, he has proven time and time again he has an outstanding ground game. Yeah. And when he locked up the Darce, because he – and th- no, and this is the difference, Josh, and this is what people need to know. Look, he had that Darce locked up when he was standing. He actually had it through and he had it locked up, and he was smart enough to say as the angle changed, he went back to the ratchet – and he cranked him over and then sunk that in again. That shows a guy that understands the submission game. That shows a guy that understands, I can make this better. Don't try to hold on to something that is, eh, maybe, maybe I'll get it, maybe I won't. Let me make sure that I get this thing as deep as I can. And that's what he did, and that's why he got the win. And I thought it was a great win for Neil Magny. The most wins of any welterweight in the UFC. I liked what Neil said afterwards. He's like, look, I'm not here to say that I'm like GSP. He's like, we know yeah. that. And so yeah. that's what I, I actually respect that a lot. Not to say, like, oh, yes. I'm equal with him. And I, it was, I was not, it was very um, refreshing to hear someone be honest, you know, when they're in front of the mic. Um, Neil Magny to me, I, ha- I had it one, one going into the third and I had D rod winning that round yeah. up until that moment. So am I agree. I, was I right? Or was I wrong? No, you, you're you right. You're okay. absolutely right. So I, to say, like, we sat up here, I sat up here specifically, I'm not going to throw you in that, but I sat up here and said that I thought there was going to be a tough fight for D-Rod. It was a tough fight. We expected it to be a tough fight, but he did better than I thought he was going to do. <clears throat> I thought that, I thought Magny was going to be able to press him to the fence, knee him, clinch him, hang on him, be able to get him, take take him down and dominate him, like kind of how he did in the, in the end of the first round. I yeah. expected more of that out of Neil Magny, and he struggled in that second round. And then in the beginning of the third, he was also struggling. And so D-Rod did a lot of great things. I got to be honest, he's right up there. He deserves to be up in there in that mix. He just needs to make a couple little tweaks here and there. But this is the thing. When you lose, that exposes you to the other top-level fighters. Then they start seeing how the groundwork is laid out. And they say, hey, all I got to do is get you down. Or, hey, all I got to do is this. Your submission defense is not what it should be to fight someone at my level. Now you're going to start seeing the top-level guys in that weight class that have decent submissions saying, you know what, I want that guy next. Oh, yeah. Give me that guy because I can. I, that's a guy that I feel comfortable with getting this fight to the ground you know, and, and, and dominate. I'm going to give an example. You have D-Rod coming off of a loss. You got Sean Brady coming off of a loss. Sean Brady's, I, I get it, but I'm saying like Sean Brady, though, in this fight, is going to be like, hey, I got to get my win. And the UFC has been known to put two fighters together. Good that point. are both coming off losses, so one yeah. of them gets a win and gets back on track. I could see that potentially happening. Yeah, no, that's absolutely I could see it happening, and it makes sense. But if you're if you're Daniel Rodriguez, you got to stick with what your strength is, and your strength is definitely the stand up game. 
but he needs to figure out ways to make people pay for trying to come in and take him down. He's not making them pay. It was like with the Neil Magny thing. And the one thing he, he was actually, you know, straight arming and pushing Neil away at times. That's a lot and of it, work. It's a lot of work and it burns a lot of gas and it does nothing for you as far as doing damage to your opponent other than, yeah, you got that separation, but you got to make them pay for coming in on you and, and putting their hands on you in that fashion to try to take you down. That's yeah. the big difference. <clears throat> Jump into that main event, though. He, Amanda Lemos versus Rodriguez. Rodriguez. Marina. Marinara. I'll tell you what. I was going to say Marinara. Marinara. <laughs> <laughs> Lemos looked just... looked great the whole time. I thought I thought she she was smart in that this was going to be in, and I thought you know both fighters watching him before they both come forward. They both like to take the center of the cage. They both like to dictate. They both like to put their opponent going backwards, get on the back foot. And Lemos was able to dictate the position of the fight mostly throughout it. Now she she went for the one takedown and. And Rodriguez was able to actually get position off of that takedown and end up in the top position. But I I was very impressed with Amanda Lemos and the way that she was able to stand at times and throw and counter some of the shots that Marina Rodriguez Rodriguez is long and she's got that length that you know you look and say that's a problem for most people in that weight class and she uses it so well. But man, if you want to see how to handle someone with length, I thought Amanda Lemos really did a fantastic job with handling the length and continuing to move forward as she was smart, not taking big chances. But when she, when she decided to unleash, you know, she was throwing with some heat and that one, you know, the one, the one that hurt her was off the, you know, basically close to the top of the head, but mm -hmm. you know, it only takes one. And once she had her where she saw that she gave that little stumble, she went after her. And I thought Jason Herzog actually did a great job in stopping the fight it was just one shot away from Marina Rodriguez being face down, ass up. And so yeah. <clears throat> great fight, great win for Lemos. I thought Herzog did a shitty job. He should okay. let it go on. No, yeah. I'm just kidding. <laughs> oh, I love Herzog, man. No, I thought it was a good stoppage. I mean, I'm not going to complain about it either way. You're really saving the lifelong, you know, uh, some, some more rounds for her yep. instead of letting her go face down, ass up. <clears throat> I thought that something must have happened in that first or second round because Rodriguez was giving her way too much respect halfway through, or the end, I guess, the beginning of that second round. She just wasn't pulling the trigger. I don't know if it was the speed. Maybe she felt a little bit of that power, whatever yeah, it was. Yeah. Something made her not fight her fight. And I'm not trying to take anything away from uh, Lemos. I think she fought a great fight. She did a great job of keeping her distance, not allowing Rodriguez to... To, to basically dictate where the fight was going with her long push kicks or her long leg kicks or her long jab and her striking. She wasn't allowing that to happen. She also wasn't allowing Rodriguez to hang on her head and try to make her tired. She did a great job, Lemos did, of getting her combinations off, doing what she wanted, and then getting out and staying away from the clinch. She did a fantastic job. I think in that first round, I think when she did the push by on the elbow and the foot sweep and got to the top, yeah. Great, great job. And that really kind of put Rodriguez behind the ball. It was almost like, oh, shit, this ain't supposed to be happening to me. That sometimes, that sometimes has an effect on you when you come in. You're ranked number three, two, or three, or whatever she was ranked. I think she was ranked three. And you're fighting someone who you feel like is probably not on your level. I mean, 
I think Lemos is a fantastic fighter. But when you get put on the bottom and then you realize you have no escape, you're like, shit, I can't go there. That's in your mind the rest of the fight. If I'm down on the ground again, she's better than me on the ground, like a dominant better than me on the ground. You're now worried about being taken down and not letting your hands go. And this goes for all when you see strikers versus wrestlers or a good level wrestler versus like a decent, you know, wrestler with good striking. It's always on their mind of getting taken down. And that freezes their hands and their stand up just a tiny bit, which allows the combinations to be let go. And that's what happened with Lemos. She just looked, she looked good. She looked on point. She looked laser focused. And that's very important because when you get to these levels of that, that number two, number three, number four, and someone like her, she's ranked number seven, I believe she was. You need to be laser focused every single fight because they're coming to get you as Marina Rodriguez found out. That's it. You know, and I still think Marina is a fantastic fighter, but you take a look. You just talked about that Daniel Rodriguez and the, the blueprint is there. People are looking at it. Their blueprint is there. Yeah. You know, you saw what Amanda Lemos did. That's what you have to do. You want to get a win against Marina Rodriguez? There it is right there. Yeah. True, so. true. All right. Well, hey, that's going to wrap up our, what is this, Fight Night 64? Fight Night 64. Yep. Gone. Fight Night 64. Say goodbye. Bye-bye. So, See you later. It's in the books, ladies and gentlemen. But guess what? So is mybookie.ag. Use our promo code Wayne in. You guys, <laughs> we did that to you guys. So, all right. Uh, John, or sorry, Podcast Dave, go ahead. You can speak now. What do you got for us? <laughs> Speak. Uh, so I know you, you guys caught um, at least highlights of Mark Hunt's last fight. Yeah. He did say this is his last fight in the ring. I just want to get your thoughts on that. His last fight in combat sports. I mean, he's done everything. He's done boxing. He's done MMA. He's done kickboxing. He was one of the world. He was a world class kickboxer in K one. He's fought the big dogs all around the world in terms of kickboxing. I mean. Hey, uh, here I hear the little ones. <laughs> <laughs> that's, so, that's what it's all about, right that's there. That's what it is. It is. Um, yeah. I, I want like how John. How will you remember him? Oh, yeah. Okay, I hate to say it, but I'm gonna in multiple ways. First off, granite chin, a guy that could just take unbelievable shots. You know, you take a look. People are gonna look at his record in MMA, and they you know. He may have, I'm not even sure he has a winning record, but it's close. But his record in MMA does not actually say who Mark Hunt was as a fighter because he had a granite chin. I'm going to remember him for the atomic butt drop. Okay. Mm. He, he fought Vanderlei Silva in pride. He did what Randy Couture, who was a guest speaker, called the atomic butt drop. And it was, it was classic because. That was a huge fight because it was MMA. Vanderlei was a monster in Pride at the time. He was their guy. He was, you know, the biggest draw. He was a, a, an outstanding MMA fighter. Now, he wasn't Mark Hunt's size, but Mark Hunt beat him in that fight. And you looked and you said, you know, Mark Hunt, you know, coming from the kickboxing K1 world, a lot of people question, you know, as far as the ground. He got better and better, and his takedown defense got much better to where people were just not able to take Mark Hunt down. And when he wasn't able to be taken down, you knew, oh, this is going to be a long night. And he had more, not, more walk-off 
Yeah, I was about to say moments than anybody I can think of because you know he was a classy dude. He's a classy you know competitor, and when he hurts you because he had you know not only the granite chin, he had freaking cinder blocks in his hands, and with the four ounce gloves, man, when he if he hits you even close to the right spot, you were in trouble. So I I just loved the what Mark Hunt brought. I thought he was always fun to watch. May not have been the guy that, you know, was able to get the championship. He actually did fight for the UFC interim title against Fabricio Verdum, if you recall, in Mexico City. Mm-hmm. But just a, a classy guy and just tough as hell. Yeah, the atomic butt drop was definitely one that I remember him <laughs> I for. Um, he changed people's <clears throat> careers after oh, he man. did their after he did walk off knockouts. He a uh, big tall guy. Uh Stephen Struve. Yeah. <clears throat> just he that was he just pop pop walked away before he hit the ground i was like yep. oh shit yeah. he he was just look overall you said granite chin but there was a lot of heart involved a lot oh, of heart yeah. his fights uh did he have two fights or just the one that i remember uh bigfoot silva two, two the one right? the first the first, first one, was, one was unbelievable it was insane unbelievable it was, insane one of the best heavyweight fights you'll ever see yeah and it was just it was and not because it was technical not because no. they, they looked they looked fantastic they Sometimes just beat they the just shit delivered out of they beat the shit out of each other and they delivered man they yeah. did what you want from your heavy from fighters period but they did what heavyweights uh have been known to do in history and those are some of the best fights to ever watch and he they he came out and delivered man both of them did um I don't know if Bigfoot was ever the same after that fight. No, he wasn't. You know, I don't I was, think he was ever the same after that fight. There was there was a couple fights that when you look and you go, that one took a lot out of Bigfoot. Yeah. Mark Hunt that first time and Cain Velasquez when he fought. Oh, him, yeah. Uh, yep. Took a lot out of him. Because you had DC, then you had Kane, then you had then you had uh, Mark yeah. Hunt. Just yep. those three vicious knockouts, the way that they all happened. Um, but I'm going to remember him as somebody that, I love the his his trash talk. I don't know if it's because he has an accent, but he didn't he didn't really trash talk. But he did kind of you know he would take digs at Dana, he'd take digs at some of his opponents, and when they would take digs at him, he was pretty well respected though across the board. No one really gave him a lot of heat because he was he was a fighter. He'd already been there, done that, and fought fought everybody. So I think yep. people respected him and knew what he brought to the table. Um, he's a fantastic fighter. I remember him as just being a dog. Someone that would fight anybody and someone who fought all the biggest names in in the sport of MMA and kickboxing. And so uh, congratulations to him on finishing out his career. Yeah, absolutely. Mark Hunt, welcome to this side of the wall. Welcome to <laughs> the easier side. Yes, yes. Uh, next. <clears throat> all right, let's talk about this next one. So there was a, a report circulating on Twitter that Charles Oliveira was going to be fighting uh, Fiziev on the Brazil card in January. Mm-hmm. And um, and it said per Iro Hawane, but uh, Iro said he never he never reported on it. Um, and then Charles also put a tweet saying this fight won't happen. Um, and surprisingly, his, um, his reaction was that he needs a break and not just the fact that, like, well, you know, I want the Islam rematch, which is what I would have expected him to say there. But he said he needs a break, so this fight ain't happening. 
when you're the champ, right, and all that pressure is relieved off your shoulders because you lost, it's it's that sense of, okay, take a deep breath, get refocused, enjoy life. Now, you know he was really enjoying, not just him, but a lot of a lot of the champions, they're really enjoying their life as champion. But it's a different type of enjoyment. You're traveling here doing press stuff. You're traveling here doing other stuff. You're all around the world doing being, what you can you're being pulled in so many different directions yes yeah. he's out there he's out there promoting the organization that he's the champion in yep. now is the time that it, you know that stresses all that weight off of his shoulders he can now spend that time with his family just relax go do whatever not have to worry about getting a call going hey we need you to fly here tomorrow hey we've got this presser coming up do this do that he doesn't have to worry about that as much i'm sure he's i'm still because he's still a huge name I'm sure they're still going to have him out there doing stuff, but I don't it, it, that just that sense of relief. Who said it? Uh, Usman? He said once the fight was over with Leon, it was like I'm I'm good. Like I'm okay. I'm happy. I'm I'm good with yeah. what happened. It's that 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 monkey off his back or that weight off of his shoulders, whatever it is. It's just done. Okay, now the I target. can start fresh. Yeah, now the, I can the, start fresh. It's like you know everyone. Everyone has seen that red dot when you watch movies, and you see that red dot that's in the middle of your chest when the sniper is, you know, that that's what it's like to be the champion, though, because all of those guys have that red dot. You're the focus. You're the one that everybody wants. You know, and this is like you know what I said with you know Islam Makachev, you know, and you you tell you know sitting there said John no you know he couldn't get fights. Well, he'll get fights now because yeah. it is, you know, it's the difference. Once you have that belt, now everybody, I don't care who you are, they want to fight you. They want to fight the champ, and you've got that target on you, and it's not an easy thing to deal with. It's There's pressure involved with it, and everybody is coming after you, everybody. And it's like, hey, it takes a certain type of personality to be able to deal with it and deal with it well. And I'm not saying that Charles didn't do it. He did. He did a great job. But once that pressure is gone, it's nice to be able to go, yeah, just let me be for a little bit. Just yeah. give me some time. And that's okay. I, I think he needs the time. Give him the time. You know, and if someday if he fights Fazeev, I think that's a, that's a fun fight to watch. But give him the time. I mean, not to take anything away from Fazeev, but if I don't see why Charles would come back and fight him. I don't either. I'm being honest. So if, you, if you're going to be and taking a look at the rankings of where things are at, the lowest you would go is Dariush, who's on a run. Yeah. Oh, and the only reason why I'd say Dariush is because you've already beaten the other three guys. Yeah. You know, if you look at, you've already beaten True. Dustin, you've already beaten yeah. Justin, you know, Dariush, you've already beaten Chandler, you got yep. Fazeev at six. I would just say Dariush. And yep. because if, if the fight with Islam and Volk happens, that's going to put you out even longer. So why not fight someone like Dariush in the process? But I, I, I think it's a brilliant idea that he's taking time off. Yeah. You know, and when we say time off, you know what that time means? That means like he's probably just going to take a month. He'll be in the gym every single day. Oh, no, he'll be in the gym, but yeah. he, doesn't have, he doesn't have to have that, that pressure of I've got a fight coming up, focusing on certain people. No, just hey, I go in, I train, I do my thing, I go home, spend time with you know the family. It's all good. That level of intensity and training won't be there every single day for a month. That's right. He'll be in there just having fun, jumping rope, getting some rounds in with like the guys that are one twenty five. 
you know, <laughs> just <laughs> just having fun. That's and good for him, man. Good for him. I got to be honest. I said this before. When I look at when I look at the dynamic of our sport and the champions that are there. And when I was talking about Charles and everyone was ragging on me because I'm a homer from my boy in Islam, I said, Charles Oliveira, if I was, if my son wanted to look up to somebody, I'd say, look at that kid. Oh yeah. Like he's, he's come from nothing. He didn't have anything. He's dealt with adversity in the cage. He's lost. He's come back, become champion. He's fought his ass off. He's been, he's, he has always been respectful to everyone. There's a video going around right now of every single time that he walked and fought, he would walk, he'd walk to the other corner, shake their hand, hug their corner, shake their corner's hands, and then move around as you circle around when you enter the, the cage. Respect all the way around, always very confident in his what he does. If you have a young son or you have a, of a young child that's looking for a mentor, or not mentor, but looking to be role model. a role model, Look at where he came from. There's a story there. If I'm somebody that can has Loretta Hunt, if I'm someone that can write a book, I'd be picking that fucking story up quick, yeah. real quick. That guy's got a story, and it's absolutely amazing. So, yep. next, all right. Uh, next story. Kevin Gaston is talking about a move back to welterweight, a potential move back to welterweight. We should say. I said this to you earlier, John. I'm like. Move back. Did you ever make weight at welterweight? And, and, <laughs> and he made it once. I, I love Kelvin Gaston. I, I oh. when I talked to him in Phoenix the last time we were there for Bellator, he's such a nice guy, man. Okay. So nice, so respectful. Just and and he's a dog in that cage. He's a dog. He's he's a tweener. That's the problem with him. He's not big enough for eighty five, and he's and he's uh he's too big. Not too big. He just has a hard time getting to seventy. And the thing is, let's not forget. He gave Izzy his best fight in that cage. That was Izzy's toughest fight was was that guy right there. Yep. That guy who's a tweener. That was his toughest fight. Fantastic, fantastic fight. But I also think, though, John, since that fight, he hasn't really been the same. This is true. And when we talk about fighters taking years off their lives or changing their life or changing L- their little, career. Little, bit, little pieces of them staying in the cage. Yeah. That, that fight, was one of that those fight fights. with Izzy that did it with yeah. Kelvin. Yep. But you know, it's I've always enjoyed Kelvin. He's he's my Roberto Duran of the MMA world. I love the way he fights. I think a move to 170 would be fantastic. He's moved from King's MMA. He's now fighting at Fight Ready or training at Fight Ready with Henry Cejudo. He's also got what is that? I want to say NS1 is a is a company there for nutrition and things that's right there in, in Arizona. Get there. You can make the 170, no problem, yeah, brother. Can. There's can. no doubt you can do it, and I think you would do fantastic there because he's got fast hands. Mm-hmm. The speed would not be a problem for him. He's got a uh, a durable freaking chin, and, and he's able to take big shots. He's got good wrestling. Um, mm-hmm. he's, he's got, it's going to get better training with Henry. His oh, wrestling absolutely. will get better. So, and I think I think it's a good move for him. Sometimes you just need the change. Not that yeah. where you're at wasn't great. It's just you know sometimes you just need to mm-hmm. get a different approach, and it, it just will inspire you and, and kind of light a, another fire under you. I think this is a good thing for him. I think the change to fight ready is great for him, and I think that the possibility of him being a welterweight, as long as he does it the right way, man, I'd love to see it. 
Yeah, you talked about sometimes you just need a change. It's very true. I mean, I went through segments of my career, which I never wanted to leave AKA and I never did. But it was, there was thought about where it. I thought about it a lot. There you go. You know, I did. I, I thought about Extreme Couture's when they first started popping off, when they had Gray Maynard, Tyson, uh, Tyson Griffin. They had Jay Heron. They had all these guys. Yeah. I was like, there's way more guys there for me to train with. Because at the time, I only had Swick, Mike Kostick, Pyle. and Fitch, Mike Pyle. They had all these guys that were at my weight that you know that were they were all in the ufc and i was fighting in strike force so i was like you know i'm never gonna fight him so what does it matter i should go over there and train it just wasn't for me and then i went over and trained with frankie edgar and i was like well i'm not gonna travel this far every single fight and then you know i went down to uh train with rob mccullough at the uh ultimate ultimate uh, training in huntington ultimate beach training, yeah in huntington beach i liked it there uh they just didn't have enough high level guys you know it was like i had a couple guys that would come and go and they were they were like seemed like they were part time or they just were they weren't in there every single day. I needed the dedication and the commitment. And then I went down to Alliance, and I actually kind of liked it. It just I didn't get connected with the with one of the with any of the coaches. They all kind of everyone kind of did their own thing, and I was like, ah, eh, this isn't for me either. I need a little bit more structure, but I liked it. I mean, Phil Davis and I are good friends, and he's the one that talked. He's like, hey, come on down, man, and and so I went down. I I liked it. It just wasn't if if I was gonna go somewhere probably would have been there because san diego <laughs> it's kind of a no-brainer you know and i love uh, phil phil's phil's a fan you are person. if there's one thing i know about you you're all about location yeah absolutely. you're like a realtor yes yes i am gotta go where the money is baby gotta <laughs> so all right next all right um i think we'll wrap up on this one here um <clears throat> Kayla Harrison, you know, we've talked about this a couple of times um, with like speculation, blah, blah, blah. But Kayla, Kayla Harrison is saying now that this will be uh, her last season doing the, the PFL's tournament. Mm -hmm. um, comments being the, the time away from home, you know, during that, during that long period of the mm -hmm. tournament, um, cutting to... Cutting to 45, she's saying now, um, you know, uh, uh, that many times in that period for the tournament is too much. Um, and th this will be her last um, her last time at 55 as well. She's she's basically going to be going for 45. And it sounds like doing that outside of a tournament concept is going to be more realistic. You know, part the real question here is, do you think that the PFL maybe is... Not possibly going to be getting rid of that 155 pound division and going to 145 it's a possibility and we've talked about it before she cannot make 145 continuously through that tournament i know that it's too much on her and uh i know she's got some issues as far as health-wise that would keep that from being something that she should oh. even attempt but look kayla's in that position when we say it all the time there's two things that you've got to consider when you're a fighter at her level and with, with the, where you're at. What's the most important thing? Is it your ego and, hey, I want to fight for the UFC or I want to fight for you know this promotion, that promotion, I want to fight against this fighter, that fighter, whatever it is, or is it money? Well, she's already proven that money was the, the main concern mm -hmm. for her you know, at the start and she got paid great money. PFL treated her very well. She has performed exactly how, if you're going to be the PFL, you want her to perform. She's been dominant. They, you know, she was offered a contract by Bellator. They matched it. Good for them. 
She's gone back. She's done exactly what she was supposed to do. She's won every fight. Now she's in their finals. Now she's going to fight Pacheco for the third time, which is, uh, you know, when you talk trilogies, normally you don't have a trilogy when someone's got two wins already. You know, can happen, but, you know, because of their their uh, format and, and their tournament format style, that's why she's going to fight Pacheco again. But you look and you go, shh. She has the ability after this season, no matter they can't match it. Yeah. You know, she's got a one she she signed a one year deal. She can go wherever she wants. And I think that's what she's she's showing is I look, I've done whatever I've done everything I can do with the PFL. It's nothing against the PFL. No. You know, I think she likes the PFL. I think she wants to prove to the fans out there who are saying that, oh, she's not that good. She wants to prove to them. Oh, yes, I am. And there's only one way she can do it, and that's to yeah. go out and find one of two fights. She's got to find the fight with Cyborg, or she's got to find the fight with Amanda Nunez. Yeah. Amanda used to be a training partner. She's not anymore. You know, that fight makes sense. If you want to go to the UFC and fight Nunez there at 145. But again, the problem for, you know, Kayla and everybody else at 145, there's just not that much in competition. At 155, there's very little. Well, 145, if she beats Amanda, <laughs> I can see the UFC saying, well, we've got her for this, so we're going to keep the division. But they, again, they've got one person listed in their featherweight division. Yeah. It's Amanda Nunez's champion, and that's it. Yeah. So I understand what she's saying, though, and I don't blame her. What she's done is she has put herself in the best possible situation to make the most amount of money for one fight. Yeah. Whether it's Amanda Nunez or whether it's Chris Cyborg. Or, well, she's got the possibility of making it for two fights. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. I mean, it could be possibly three. The same person yeah. three times. If it's if it's a barn burner of a fight or if it's a quick finish on both parts or whatever it is, you could potentially say, hey, let's run it back again. Um, But she has done everything she possibly uh, could have done to put herself in this position. Like I've said, I've, we've said this before. If you are a successful fighter in another organization, and the UFC will always sign you, and oh, they'll yeah. probably pay you more because they want to prove that their fighters are the best. That's that's just how it worked. And I've said this about Anthony Johnson. He they let him go because he was missing weight. He went to the World Series of Fighting, had success there, came back. He he his contract almost tripled what he was making. From his first contract, the best thing that could have happened to him was leaving and yeah. having good fights over there, dominant fights over in the World Series of Fight, and then coming back. That's the best thing that could have happened to him. Yeah. And I think with her, I don't know what I don't know how well she's going to do against Amanda. I don't know how well she's going to do against Cyborg, but I do know that she she has the right right she has the right to call for whichever fight she wants from whatever promotion has these two fighters and say, hey. I want that fight. This is what I want to be paid. And I think, honestly, either one of those promotions, if Chris is still in, in Bellator and Amanda's going to fight at 45 in the UFC, I think either one of those promotions may pay her. They may. They may not. But I, I believe that one of them will. No, I, I believe one of them will pay her. I think they will. I think my personal opinion is I think that she's going to end up in Bellator. The reason why is because there's a couple other fighters for her to fight after that. So you can still, but that's at 45. Yeah. So you've got Arlene Blanco, you've got 
Cyborg. You've got uh, Katzengano. You've got fighters for her to fight in that weight class outside of just the one fight with Amanda Nunez. And it really depends on she's been used to making over a million dollars for these tournaments. What will they be? What will they come to the table with for her to fight? I think for her to make forty-five, it, it's it's gonna. I think it's I think it's kind of for me. I think it's easy, but do you want to do it every single time? Like you can't do it. In, she's already made it very clear. I'm not doing it in a term in a tournament format. It doesn't make no. sense. Every it doesn't make any it doesn't make any sense. Um, but what we also have to take into consideration is she's got two young kids. Yep, having to to. Be a mother, take care of two young kids, and still train, and still try and make the weight and diet and nutrition. Your kids are not eating what you're eating. <laughs> no, they're eating hot dogs, mac and cheese. Mac they're and eating, cheese, baby. Yeah, whatever it is. I mean, like, I I don't know what the structure is in the house, but I'm saying, you know, as a parent, you're trying to like, hey, what's quick and easy, but a little bit healthy? What can I do to get you through the day? So, and kids obviously they they want to eat all the goods. They want to eat the stuff that has flavor. You know, they don't want chicken and broccoli. <laughs> so. But uh, whatever she does, we've had her on the show. Whatever she does, I wish her nothing but success. Absolutely nothing but success. She's, she's such a, a winner. She's such a pleasure to be around. She's, she's, a, so, she's a freaking winner. And, and again, I understand exactly what she's saying. And she's done everything other than win this third fight, which, look, it's not an easy fight. Pacheco's no. tough. But she should win it. But other than win this third fight, she's done everything you can do. Yeah. within the PFL. There comes a point where it's understandable. I need to go find the competition that excites me because right now I don't think the competition in the PFL excites her and that makes it yeah. difficult. You know, you know, when, when you're training for someone that, you know, I don't want to say the word scares you, but makes you think and you, and you know, Hey, that, that some bitch can beat me. That gets you up in the morning. That gets you into the gym. That makes you work that extra little bit. That puts you when you step onto the you know the treadmill. I'm going to go a little bit harder. All those things are factored in based upon. Eh, I got this some bitch. This this person this person could hurt me. Mm-hmm. When you don't have that, it's tough. It's hard. Hard to get excited. Hard to to do that that extra bit. Well, do you, do you watch do you watch Thursday night football? course so last thursday was the eagles and the texans right and the texans they've got one win by halftime it was 14 14 eagles are undefeated this is one of those fights or not this is one of those fights like i've beaten you twice i got nothing to prove it's tough it's a gotcha it's kind of a gotcha fight yeah it's you've got nothing to win yeah you've got it just feels like i'm doing the same thing i don't want to say that she's got a lot (laughs) lot to win there's there's a lot lot of money money there but i mean seriously you're looking at it going i've already beat you twice yeah it's tough. If you're Pacheco, there's a lot there, you know, but it's tough yeah. if you're, if you're Kayla. Yeah. This is one of those sleeper fights that you can get caught. You could just, you've been there, done that. And it comes back to what is waking you up in the morning? What is getting you motivated? Do you go in there with the sense of, I don't, I don't think she will, but you go in there with a sense of arrogance, like, ah, you know, same old stuff. Do the same thing I did last time. Get in, get out. But, but then it doesn't work out that way. How does it, yep. how do you mentally handle that as it's going on? And uh, we're going to see. But like I said, ultimately, I wish her nothing but the best. I think that she's going to make a lot of money in whichever direction she decides to go, whether it's UFC uh, or Bellator. I think personally, she's going to end up in Bellator. Not just and now that I thought about it, not just because of the there's more fighters in that weight class. 
is because I don't know if she really wants to fight Amanda. They were training partners. They know each yeah. other. Maybe she thinks that she can beat her, but I don't think that she wants to. Like, why go there with that friendship when I could she's, go to this she's, over she's here? She's called out Cyborg multiple times. Yeah. yeah. And it seems to me that's the fight that she wants, mm -hmm. you know? I, I I don't care I don't care which one it is whether it's Cyborg no. or Amanda, it's like you know, be careful what you wish for. Yeah, <laughs> it's not you know it's a, hey, it's a tough one. And, and tough I, I, I'm gonna be honest, I put I put Kayla at a disadvantage, whichever one she goes towards because it will be if she fights in Bellator, it'll be her first fight in Bellator. You know that's not easy. Yeah, if it's her first fight in the UFC against Amanda, that's her first fight in the that's not easy. And so she's at a disadvantage just with it being, you know, Rampage Jackson, when he came over to the UFC, he, he asked, you know, they wanted to put him against Chuck right, right away. You know, and he said, man, he said, hey, I, I need a couple of fights. They gave him one. Mm -hmm. They gave him one, you know, and uh, they, he wanted another one after he fought Marvin Eastman. They said, nope. And it's because hey, you want to start to feel comfortable there. It's not an easy mm -hmm. thing to do. No, it's not. You need to make it feel like home, you know, um, You've seen a lot of those fighters that came over from Pride. They were big time names, but it was their first time fighting in a cage. They'd always fought, in, you know, in a ring, and getting in there, it just didn't feel like home. They loved fighting in Japan. The crowd was a little bit more quiet. The energy was different. But then they got hyped up during the walkouts were different. Everything was different. Yep. And so when you get into when you were in the, get into the UFC, the people are different. Everything's different. Same thing with Bellator. You get in there, it's just different. Like you're trying to fill it out i think uh who said it i think Corey anderson said it. he's like the first my first fight over he's like i just wanted to get it over with he's like but then everyone was so nice people it's just a new you're building new relationships and understanding who's in the back with me when i'm warming up yeah. who's gonna walk with you know who's gonna grab me from my locker room and walk me all these things so everything's different and needs to start to feel like home and there's some big changes but if you are a promotion spending that amount of money on someone do you want to take a chance with them fighting somebody else? Nope. No. You want them to go right to the big dog so you get that fight out of the way. And then yeah. if they want to fight, that's what, if, that's if what lose, you're paying for. Yeah. If they lose, then you can have them fight somebody else, get a win, and then go back yes. to fighting that big dog again. Yes. So yep. nothing but the best for her. Well, hey, we're going to wrap this up on this. WayneInPodcast.com. Pick up some of our merch. Hoodies is getting cold. So let's get those sweaters, sweatshirts. Get and out of that hoodies and, and all that stuff. And uh, we've got coffee mugs, too. So you guys have hot tea, coffee, whatever you want to put in there. Probably something warm because it's coming up. Someone maybe a pumpkin spice latte. I don't know. Ooh. That's too creative. I can't do that. No, shit. no. I like that. <laughs> and uh, make sure you guys hit that subscribe button. I want to thank you guys. If you guys are first time listeners, throw a comment down below. Let us know what you guys thought, and uh, I'll try to get back to you. I read the comments, and I respond yes. occasionally. Yes, you do. Yeah, try to keep it and positive. And I don't read the comments, but Josh reads them to me. Yes, I do. <laughs> but it's always true. the ones that someone says, well, I really like Josh Thompson. Yes, yes, of course. <laughs> I have to let him know there are people out there that really like me. Um, look, what's different from our comments is I try to tell everyone, try to keep it positive, guys. Let's go, because if you read some of the other podcasts on uh, YouTube, it's like just a battle down it's like world war ii down there in the comments Oof. let's keep it positive let's have some fun down there and i'll reply here and there just to let you guys know i do read them i do love that you guys support our show and thank you guys so much and john take us away hey for everyone out there i hope you had fun we had a good time talking this we did a little bit of talk about the media and everything like that 
all nothing but love to those people. And uh, if you can, go out and do something special for someone. Make their day a great day. Do it just because you can, and we will see you. 